Welcome to Chilling with Teddy G, an authentic black channel empowering the black community and capturing the modern day black reality through investigative journalism. I'm your host, Teddy G. Hello everyone and thank you for joining me for another episode of CWTG. As everybody know, I'm Teddy G. I'm your host. And on this station, you know, we discuss anything and everything with absolutely no sugar, no frosting, and definitely no mayonnaise. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be talking about um, day two of the uh, Derek Chauvez uh, murder trial of uh, George Floyd. And uh, we're going to get right into this. You know what? Let me do this copyright disclaimer. That way I can uh, get right into this story. Because, you know, we keep it clean at the studios of Chilling with Teddy G with the Copyright Act of 1976 under Title 17, Section 107. Allowances is made for the fair use for the purpose such as criticism, comment, news reporting, uh, teachings, uh, scholarships and research. Fair use is permitted by the copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. Non-profit education or personal use tips the balance in the favor of fair use. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, we had some very uh, intense and uh, exciting um, uh, testimony today from witnesses in the um, uh, Derek Chavez uh, uh, murder trial of George Floyd. And I was just reading here where it says uh, 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 Geneva Henson, the uh, uh, off-duty uh, firefighter, uh, testified while um, where's my glasses? Um, while wearing her uh, work uniform on Tuesday, uh, she said uh, she became uh, concerned for Floyd's uh, health last May when she arrived at the scene while uh, out for a walk, and. Um, he wasn't moving, and he was uh, cuffed, and uh, three grown men uh, putting all their body weight on, on somebody is uh, too much, she said. She, she identified herself as a Minneapolis firefighter and uh, moved to help, but former uh, officer uh, Tayo uh, refused her, her uh, access to uh, uh, treat George Floyd. His refusal made her totally distressed, frustrated, and feeling helpless. She testified. Uh, she ultimately filmed part of uh, Floyd's arrest on her phone and later called 911 to report it. And uh, when things uh, uh, calmed down, I realized uh, I wanted them to know uh, what was going on? I wanted uh, uh, basically to report it, she said. On uh, cross-examination, she repeatedly told the, uh, uh, took issue with Nielsen's questioning and at one point responded to a question with a smirk. I don't know um, if you've ever seen someone die in front of you, but it's very upsetting, she said. After dismissing the jury for the day, Judge uh, Peter uh, Chanhill, <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that, so, <coughs> uh, 
admonished uh, uh, Hanson, telling her to answer the uh, questions asked and to stop arguing with Nielsen. Her testimony will uh, continue on Wednesday. Like uh, Henson, two of the uh, high school uh, uh, students took uh, cell phone videos uploaded, which were played in court for the jury. The teenagers who took uh, the most widely known bystander video, uh, Darnella Frazier, testified that uh, she uh, saw her own black father, brother, cousin, and friend in Floyd. And I'm sure she did. Looking at such a, 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 a tragic event. I mean, I, I commend her and give her kudos for having the uh, fortitude to be able to continue recording after what she was uh, looking at, after what she witnessed. Because I'm sure that had to be a, a very upsetting, very frustrating, you know, for her as a, a young teen uh, to be able to uh, report and testify in a Joyce Floyd case. So uh, I give her two thumbs up for her, her courage. But it goes on to say that uh, I looked at at that and I looked at, at how uh, that could have been one of them. She said through tears, it's been nights. I've stayed up apologizing to George Floyd for not doing more and physically interacting and not saving his life. But it's not what I should have done. It's what he should have done. Exactly, young lady. Exactly. And I commend you on your courage. She goes on to say that uh, she was identified in uh, court only by her first name. But she has been um, internally recognized for her decision to record and share the video. The third high school student said uh, she saw Chavez dig, listen to that word, dig his knee into Floyd's neck. And then remember I, I reported earlier when we was doing uh, um, In Your Opinion about how they was trying to say that um, it wasn't uh, Floyd uh, uh, pressure on his neck rather than uh, he had a uh, heart attack. You know, he suffered a heart attack. Either way it goes, ladies and gentlemen, Chavez killed him. Now, whether he scared him to death because of what he was doing or whether it really was be because of asphyxiation, he murdered the man. There's no, no two ways about that. And it was, uh, it, and they, they're using that term uh, unattentional homicide, which is one of the charges. No, this was intentional. This was definitely meant uh, uh, for uh, Derek Chauvin to uh, kill him, in my opinion. And then she even uh, stresses that by saying that he uh, he dig his knee into Floyd's neck. She said at one point Chavez got out his mace and started shaking it as bystanders called on officers to get off of Floyd. Uh, I was scared uh, of Chavez, she said, and I'm sure she was. I bet she totally was. William, the MMA fighter, whose uh, testimony began on Monday afternoon and continued uh, on Tuesday today, was one of the uh, most vocal 
among those in the uh, widely seen bystander video of Floyd's final moments, repeatedly pleading for Chavez to get off, uh, to get off Floyd's, and uh, called him a uh, a bum and a tough guy. He testified that he had gone fishing with his son earlier that day. He decided to go to the uh, cup food store to get some air after uh, watching several caught fish. After watching several caught fish uh, suffocate and die, when he uh, came upon Floyd's arrest nearby, he watched Floyd gasp for air and saw his eyes roll back in his head like a fish in a bag. He explained, uh, re relying on his own MMA. Experience Williams said that the uh, Chavez performed a, uh, a blood choke on Floyd and uh, adjusted his positioning several times to maintain pressure on Floyd's neck. He said he wanted to uh, get Chavez off of Floyd but didn't physically intervene because Officer uh, of Tayo was directing him to stay away. Now, with all that being said, we ha I have some uh, video footage that I want to uh, 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 share with you an interview on, um, on uh, Democracy Now! on exactly uh, what happened. Let's uh, uh, go to that and uh, get that uh, update. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. We're continuing to look at the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin for killing George Floyd last May by kneeling on his neck for over nine minutes. Nine to nine, to be exact. Nine minutes and 29 seconds. The trial began Monday. We go now to Minneapolis, where we're joined by Nakima Levy-Armstrong, a Minneapolis-based civil rights attorney, activist, and executive director of Wayfinder Foundation. She previously served as president of the Minneapolis NAACP. Her new article for BET is headlined, A Guilty Verdict for Derek Chauvin is the Only Justice Acceptable for George Floyd. Nakima Levy Armstrong, thanks so much for joining us. You bridge the attorney activist um, divide. You're so often out in the streets, but also paying such serious attention to the day's opening arguments. Can you start off by responding uh, to both the prosecution's case? One of the things they did was play the entire 929, nine minutes and 29 seconds of Derek Chauvin with his knee on the neck of George Floyd without comment, the 929, um, and then went on to their opening arguments. Your response. I thought that the prosecution team did a really great job of laying out the scene of what actually happened that day, as well as showing that gruesome bystander video. It was very difficult to watch. I'm sure that it had an impact on the jurors. Hearing the voice of George Floyd over and over again, nearly 30 times saying, I can't breathe, calling for his mom, saying that his stomach hurt. So I'm glad that they had such an impact in the beginning. Uh, and I also think that they laid out their theory of the case. They're going to talk about how the actions of Derek Chauvin played the most critical role in cutting off the air supply of George Floyd and causing um, car cardiopulmonary arrest. 
Um, in terms of the defense strategy, I was really dismayed to see them try to deflect blame to bystanders um, and to blame George Floyd himself for his own death by talking about um, George Floyd having uh, fentanyl in his system and meth um, and the fact that uh, defense alleges that he resisted arrest and that that is what led to him ultimately dying um, on May 25th of 2020. And Nakima Levy-Armstrong, what about the, uh, the stance of the prosecutor that this trial was about Derek Chauvin rather than the police force at large? Uh, your response to that line? Of course, I'm very troubled by that line. Minneapolis police have a long history of engaging in excessive force and even being allowed to murder people with impunity. Their reputation is very well known, particularly amongst black people and other people of color within the city of Minneapolis, and it's well documented. Our city council has settled tens of millions of dollars in excessive force lawsuits over the years because of the wayward conduct of MPD. So from my vantage point, they are just as much on trial as Derek Chauvin and hopefully those other three officers who aided and abetted him. Now, the second witness that was called uh, at the opening day of the trial was Alicia Euler. She was uh, at the time of Floyd's death. She was working as a cashier at the nearby Speedway. What's the importance from your perspective of her testimony? Well, the Speedway is directly across the street from Cup Foods. It's not operable anymore um, since George Floyd Square has become a place for people to gather and pay their respects to George Floyd and other stolen lives. I think the significance of her testimony was the fact that she was present, that she documented what happened through, I believe, seven videos, and she talked about the cops always, quote-unquote, messing with people which shows that there is a track record of um, in engaging people in a negative way, um, often for very little reason. And could you talk about the role of the police union in Minneapolis, its uh, impact on these cases, and whether it's used a double standard in the past in terms of relating to uh, the race of officers involved? Yes. Unfortunately, the Minneapolis Police Federation has been a very toxic organization. Typically, when police officers have killed people in the city of Minneapolis, uh, now former uh, Federation President Bob Kroll would go in front of the media and would essentially hail cops as heroes. He would say that their conduct was justified, and he would engage in the demonization of victims of uh, police violence and police murder. Now, uh, Bob Kroll has since retired at the end of January as a result of a lot of community pressure and pressure from activists. There is a new leader. It's unclear how they will respond as the trial unfolds. But in the early days after George Floyd was killed, uh, Bob Kroll actually went in front of the media and tried to justify the conduct of those officers and engaged in demonizing George Floyd, talking about his past and things that really were not relevant to what happened on May 25th of 2020 that led to his death. Now, conversely, when Mohammed Noor, who was the black Muslim Somali officer who killed Justine Rusacek Damon in July of 2017, the union was pretty silent 
um, with regards to supporting him. We didn't see the press conferences and uh, the justifications for um, Muhammad Noor's actions as we had seen in previous cases in which officers were being blamed for killing someone. So there's a definite double standard at play, and I do believe that race matters with regard to how the Federation responds in these situations. Let's go back to Prosecutor Jerry Blackwell addressing the jury on Monday. So ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, what was this all about in the first place? Well, you're going to learn that it was about a counterfeit $20 bill used at a convenience store. That's all. You will not hear any evidence that Mr. Floyd knew that it was fake or did it on purpose. You will learn from witnesses we will call that the police officers could have written them a ticket and let the court sort it out. You will learn that even if he did it on purpose, it was a minor offense, a misdemeanor. And this is more of Prosecutor Jerry Blackwell. You're also going to hear and see certain evidence of what this was not. This was, for example, not a fatal heart event. Uh, this was not, for example, a heart attack. Uh, you will learn uh, that there was no demonstrated injury whatsoever to Mr. Floyd's heart, as in a heart attack. You will also learn, ladies and gentlemen, that George Floyd struggled uh, with an opioid addiction. He struggled with it for years. Uh, you will learn that he did not die from a drug overdose. He did not die from an opioid overdose. We're going to ask at the end of this case that you find Mr. Chauvin guilty for his excessive use of force against George Floyd that was an assault that contributed to taking this life and for engaging in imminently dangerous behavior, putting the knee on the neck, the knee on the back for nine minutes and 29 seconds without regard for Mr. Floyd's life. We're going to ask that you find him guilty of murder in the second degree, murder in the third degree, and second-degree manslaughter. Thank you. So um, there you have the special prosecutor, Jerry Blackwell, making his opening arguments. Uh, Nakima Levy-Armstrong, if you can go even further into this issue of trying to say that George Floyd um, did not die as a result of um, what one of the witnesses called the mixed martial artist Mar um, Williams a blood hold. I mean, that is so chilling and so striking, uh, the blood choke. Uh, and he said that Chauvin looked in his eyes the only time he acknowledged it. Uh, he acknowledged this bystander was when he used that term as if he knew that term as well. Um, and yet the defense trying to argue he had other reasons, you know, the issue of um, opioid addiction or fentanyl in the system for him to have died on that night. Well, we all know, everyone who watched that gruesome video, that were it not for his encounter, George Floyd's encounter with Derek Chauvin, he would still be alive today, regardless of what he had in his system. And that's what uh, Jerry Blackwell tried to make clear, that you know his level of tolerance um, for uh, opioids had increased as a result of struggling with uh, these drugs for many years. Uh, and again, the blame lies squarely with Derek Chauvin for using an excessive amount of force in a situation that 
shouldn't have even been responded to with a 911 call. I mean, who calls 911 for a situation like that and expects to see not one, not two, not three, not four, but five officers come onto the scene for uh, that type of situation? It's absolutely absurd, but it's also par for the course in terms of Minneapolis police. Now, I am very glad that Donald Williams happened to be there that day because of his 10 years of working in security, his extensive uh, years of training um, as a mixed martial artist, and his ability to recognize that Derek Chauvin was, in fact, doing a blood choke um, on George Floyd. And we saw in the video where as the crowd grew increasingly more agitated as they called out to Chauvin and the other cops to stop what they were doing, that Derek Chauvin lightly began to bounce on um, George Floyd's neck, um, sealing the deal, you know, ultimately causing his death as a result of his actions. And again, before the start of the trial, most people believe that this happened for eight minutes and 46 seconds. But we learned yesterday that it was even worse than that. Nine minutes and 29 seconds of Derek Chauvin's knee on George Floyd's neck. Now, the New York Times previously reported that Derek Chauvin was the subject of at least 22 complaints and internal investigations about his interactions with civilians. Uh, one of them led to two letters of reprimand, according to the report. Uh, what do you expect, uh, including one situation where an African-American woman said that Chauvin kept his knee on her body while she was being handcuffed face down on the ground? Uh, what uh, what do you expect to happen with these prior cases in terms of uh, presentation uh, in uh, in the trial and also the efforts by police unions always to prevent the records of police officers uh, their their uh, complaints against them from being publicly known? Well, uh, prior to the start of the trial, prosecutors wanted the majority of those um, previous complaints and incidences against Derek Chauvin um, to be let in as evidence, and the judge has limited the scope of what can come in. So that incident that you referenced in the New York Times that happened to a black woman who uh, faced a similar circumstance um, as a result of an encounter with Derek Chauvin, that will be allowed in. There might be a few others as well. And I do believe that the jury will take note of Chauvin's conduct in terms of using excessive force, but also being able to exercise restraint as well in certain circumstances. Now, defense, of course, will argue that Derek Chauvin learned the technique that he used on George Floyd um, from his 19 years as a police officer, from the training. But one thing that will be interesting about this trial is the fact that the police chief himself, Madeira Arredondo, is planning to testify um, on behalf of the prosecution, saying that Minneapolis Police Department offers no such training to police officers and that Derek Chauvin was not acting within the scope of what he learned um, during his 19 years on the force.
Exactly. Well, we're going to continue to cover this, of course. And then, then there is also the trial of the other officers, Thomas Lane, Alexander King, and Total, uh, who are charged each with aiding and abetting second-degree murder, as well as aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter. Um, as the COVID courtroom um, <clears throat> is set up inside, you know, when uh, Blackwell is speaking, he's got plexiglass on three sides of him. When the judge talks to the uh, lawyers, they don't come up for a sidebar. He's speaking through a kind of IFB, a little microphone into their ears as they continue to sit there. And it's extremely limited who can be in the courtroom. So we'll be continuing to cover this through these weeks, uh, if that is what it takes. I want to thank you, Nakima Levy-Armstrong. Minneapolis-based civil rights attorney, activist, and executive director of Wayfounder Foundation, uh, Nakima Levy-Armstrong previously served as president of the Minneapolis NAACP and a law professor at the University of St. Thomas. And we'll link to your piece at BET, a guilty verdict for Derek Chauvin is the only justice acceptable for George Floyd. When we come back, we speak to the Salvadoran American journalist. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh... That's day two on uh, what's going on, and uh, that that uh, uh, civil rights attorney is exactly right. That's the only uh, outcome that will uh, bring justice to George Floyd, as well as bringing some calm to the uh, community of Minneapolis, is that he is found guilty on these charges, and that's what we hope what happens. But we're going to be following this story. And we're going to be bringing you uh, uh, up to dates, uh, if if so, by the minute. But, you know, so uh, with all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to end this broadcast. And we'll be, uh, uh, state, uh, please stay tuned for the uh, further updates uh, as they come in. I want to thank you all so much for uh, uh, tuning in to this episode of uh, CWTG. And... Uh, uh, as I tell y'all always at the end of every show, please continue to do your social distancing. Please continue to wear your outer gear. Please continue to wash your hands for 20 seconds or more. Please continue to take care of that immune system. A healthy and strong immune system is your number one defense against uh, this virus and its variances and any other virus that's out there. A healthy and strong immune system, ladies and gentlemen, will prevent you from getting this virus or in the unlikely event that you test positive. You'll be able to get rid of it with little to no medication. Um, I'm Teddy G, your host. Your host who loves you. I love you guys. And loving you guys is my food. And Teddy G is hungry each and every single day of his life. Until I have the opportunity to uh, talk to you guys again, I bid each and every one of you peace, love, and soul.